This episode of the Link Up Podcast is brought to you by Moody & Co. CBD is everywhere these days, from supplement and nutrition stores to gas station displays. With so many options, how can anyone make sense of what to buy, how to properly dose, or trust in the quality and purity of the products? Luckily, our friends at Moody & Co. have all your bases covered. Moody & Co.'s products started their life, hand-grown, and cultivated following strict organic growing practices in the fertile soil of the West Tennessee Delta. Each hemp plant was hand-planted on their family-operated farm, fed only high-quality organic nutrients, and finished their life free of any toxic pesticides and sprays. Moody & Co.'s world-class extraction and manufacturing partners are FDA-grade and CGMP compliant, so you can be sure each and every product is of the highest quality. What about potency and purity? Each of Moody & Co.'s products is third-party, lab-tested before and after the manufacturing process, and the tests are available for you right on their website. Their website is www.moodyand.co. I'll spell that for you. That's www.moodyand.co. How about that for transparency? Dosing instructions are on each bottle and their tinctures feature graduated droppers so you can be sure you are taking exactly what you need. With all the uncertainty about what goes into the products that go into you, you can rest easy with Moody & Co. CBD. Available at www.moodyand.co or on the shelf in Memphis and Oxford, Mississippi locations of Nail Bar & Co. Once again, I'll spell that website for you. It's www.moodyand.co. And now to our episode. So before you turned your video on, um, it said find your fetus. What does that mean for you? Yeah, find your fears to me, it's more than a tagline. It's almost a statement that I feel like I lived by from 25 to roughly until 30. I just turned 30 about six months ago. And it's this whole idea of finding a a stronger version of yourself, not just like physically, but, um, also mentally, I think, I think as people, but especially as women, and that's what I'm going to speak to you right now. Cause that's how I identify. Um, we are not brought up to necessarily think that we are strong. We are, you know, the way I was brought up was, Oh, be quiet, be pretty, just like be there. Um, being strong wasn't something that was pushed on me. And I feel like I really missed out um, on being a more confident version of myself until I started to embrace this idea of I'm fierce. I want to be fierce. I don't fully know how to get there, but I know it's something that I want. And through the work I've done with kettlebells, it's allowed me to find this mental toughness and physical strength that um, I want other women to be able to, to find, and that's, that's where find your fears comes from. Um, 
being able to be stronger than you realize in the the mental and the physical sense. Yeah, I, I really struggle with the mental toughness because I can go I, when I do go like if I when I go to the gym and stuff like that, like I can lose weight. I can like, you know, get better in better shape and stuff like that. But I can never switch it in my head to keep going like, you know, mm-hmm. to to like because I can do the physical part, but the mental part always wins at the very end. And then I'll gain some weight again and then I'll start going again. And it's just it's always up and down. And Tony was like, dude, like, what's the point of you doing all this if you can't get your head right with when it comes to that part? You know, I know you can do it. I know you can go do that. I know you can go to the gym and all that. But, man, it's like you're going to put all this effort again. And until you start getting working on your head part, it's or the reason why I quit, I guess, is what he was, he was talking about. And like, I, yeah, so that's what I'm working on now, too. But I have started back at the gym. To the, I thought with my workout today, it will be my fourth for the week. And that's what I'm just focusing on right now is my, my buddy Ben's program and uh, and like 20 minutes walking or something like that after the weights. I think that's great. Um, I can speak from personal experience. I feel like when my focus has been more so on like body composition, it's really easy for me to kind of just like get out of it. Um, but one of the reasons why I love working with kettlebells um, and one of the reasons why I think I've been able to stick to this for how long I have at this point, I've been training with kettlebells for five years. Um, and I never really leave them is because of the lessons that they teach me. And I don't know how much somebody's going to be able to relate to this who hasn't gone through, um, hard style kettlebell training, but you really have to like anybody can buy a kettlebell, but you have to like earn the right to use the kettlebell, um, because it is so technical. And I remember when I first found kettlebells, uh, they didn't come naturally to me, but I also didn't have like, um, I wasn't using them to like change my body. I BS my way into managing this fitness studio in Manhattan. And I told the guy who hired me that I knew how to use them. And he, you know, hired me and, uh, one of the trainers who was working under me was like, I know you have no idea what you're doing. <laughs> and I was like, how, how, how can you tell? <laughs> he was like, yeah. it's pretty obvious uh, to somebody who knows what they are doing with a kettlebell. And I was like, well, I, you know, I want to learn and I want to be here. So will you help me? And he did. And in learning how to use the kettlebells, I started really gaining respect for the little details. And I remember like once I was able to snatch the kettlebell without, you know, totally hurting myself or doing it with really like shitty technique, um, I started to feel more confident and it's the confidence that I've gained in learning how to tame the kettlebell that has allowed me to step outside of the gym and try other things that otherwise I wouldn't be so confident doing. Like when the pandemic initially hit, I got furloughed and I remember just like crying to my husband every day being like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like what's going to happen when the money runs out. And, um, I remember just like talking to myself being like, listen, you didn't know how to use the kettlebell. You figured it out and you're pretty good with it right now. I think you can figure out Instagram. I think you can figure out like how to do something in the virtual space. Let's just, you know, I'm going to invest in another coach 
and listen and just do what they, they tell me to do. And, um, you know, I invested $5,000 into a coach and within the first six months, I made $24,000 back from it. So the reason I stick with the kettlebells the way I do is because of that lesson, that confidence I get from being in a challenging situation, seeing what can happen when you stay the course and then taking it into other areas of my life. So anytime I'm up against some type of a challenge outside of my training, I stick with my training to remind myself like, oh, no, 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 no. You're going to achieve this thing. Just like think back to what you're doing in the gym right now. And I think that's why... Like this isn't something that I do here and there and then I leave it because it has such a big um, pull with me that has nothing to do with weight. Yeah, I think the fitness journey is, excuse me, I think it's one that it never ends. So like once you start, you reach a point, but then you always have to maintain after that. And I think a lot of people celebrate before they've even hit their accomplishment. Yeah, because the most recent time I did it, um, I got down to 200 and like I didn't even get, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get back to 185 guys. And everyone's like, oh, okay, great. Awesome. Whatever, man. You know, I know you, we know you can do it or whatever. And like, I started hanging, I started doing things. I was, when I, when I got to 200, I was like, okay, the next 15, I got that, you know? And then it just went like down like the hill. I was like, fuck, here we go. Because I would, I wouldn't work out for like. It went from like th- four workouts or five workouts a week to like three. I I guess do three and get there. You know, it'll take me like a, a couple months, whatever. And then I just I don't know. I just fucked up, and now I'm catching myself at two forty five. I don't think you can really ever fuck it up because like it's your journey, you know. And to Tony's point, it's like I'm on this path, and it's not just like a quick thing. It, it's a journey. I was talking to somebody the other day and we were discussing how, you know, fitness is like climbing a mountain. Like, what's the best part about climbing a mountain if you like climbing mountains? Getting to the top. Is it getting to the top or the adventure while you get into the top? I I mean, what do you think it is? I would say the view. So what, what, ask the question again. I'm sorry. One more time. (laughs) What's the best part about climbing a mountain? The journey involved in getting to the top. I would agree with you. Yeah, that's the, yeah. And like along the way to getting to the top, you know, sometimes you want to stop and take a picture, right? Yeah. Like, I don't know about you, but if I go on a hike, there's no way I'm not taking pictures in between to like share with people, like, look at this gorgeous experience. And like, sometimes I think when it comes to fitness, people are like, oh, I just have to, I have to get to the end. I have to get to the top of the mountain. But if you don't enjoy the journey getting there, like, what's it really, what's it really matter? Um, And I think it's appropriate and cool to stop at points in time and take the picture and just enjoy the company. And it's not always about that end result. It's about, the experience. And I think the other thing that comes with fitness is so much of the time people think it's, it's just about, Oh, I want to, I want to get the thing. But then once you get the thing, it's really easy to, to lose the thing. Like you lose the weight. And then why do you mean like the maintaining is, is hard because you already got what you wanted. And then you have to go back and ask yourself, well, why did I want this in the first place? Like, 
And how much do I actually care about keeping it? There's like all of these different psychological components that come into play. I think once you actually get to the top of that mountain, um, if you're going to stay there, if you're going to fall back, if you're going to start to then like climb another mountain, um, there's a lot of different components, but I don't know, for me personally, I think being able to attach the, the confidence, um, that I get from training into other areas of my life has been like the saving grace, um, versus just keeping everything about, you know, weight, not to like, not to downplay like how great of a goal that can be for some people. But like, for me, I grew up with an eating disorder when I was in the sixth grade, my best friend pulled me into the bathroom one day and she was like, Colleen, everybody would like you so much better if you were skinny. And then she taught me how to make myself throw up with a toothbrush. So I ended up struggling with my weight and bulimia specifically for about a decade. Um, And there were plenty of times where like, you know, sick me hit my goal weight, but like it, it didn't really matter. Um, for me personally, being able to attach something that had absolutely nothing to do with, uh, physical appearance has been a saving grace for me on my fitness journey. Now, prior to that person saying that to you, had you ever thought about your weight before? I had dance teachers who used to call me like the elephant. What the fuck? Like there were, there were definitely components of like, oh, Maybe there's something wrong with my weight. My dad used to make comments about like eating too much ice cream. Um, but at the same time, like I was a really happy go lucky kid until my best friend said that. And I think, you know, it's one thing if you hear your parents say something, it's one thing if you hear a teacher say something, but it's a whole other thing when like your best friend says something to you. Dang, that's nuts that she said that. Have y'all talked about it since? Or are you still even friends with that person? Oh, no, absolutely not. Um, This was super weird, though. So so I moved 13 times before college. So I was living in Maine when I was friends with this girl. And then I moved away about a year later. Um, And then in my early 20s, I lived in Manhattan and I was working at a big box gym. And she freaking came to one of my classes. She came to one of my classes and then she ended up she reached out on Facebook and she was like, Hey, do you teach at this club? I think I was in one of your classes. Jesus. And at that point I was like, okay, I guess this is my opportunity to like actually have a conversation with this girl who, you know, her words had so much power for so long over my life. And I was like, I was like, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is what happened because of what you said to me. And she apologized and, you know, I accepted the apology. Like, I I hope she's having a good life. Um, There's a lot of lessons that I've been able to take away from being in the position I was in for so long. Um, But yeah, freaking awkward. Freaking awkward. That's the one thing about words, though. I think we can say something to somebody sometimes and we don't know the impact it can have on somebody. Totally. Like to us, it just rolls off our back. Because it's already out of our our heads or out of our mouth. But then those words are seeking into that other person's brain. And then it just can fester and fester and fester. And it can, unfortunately, give somebody, you know, an eating disorder. Totally. You know, one of my friends, he likes to say words create worlds. Mm. 
And I believe that for, you know, both the negative, especially for like an impressionable, you know, preteen girl. Yeah. Um, But also like right now, something I'm super passionate about is just like talking, talking super positively to myself, especially like when I'm in a training session. If I'm just like, I don't know if I can do this. I have a big old banner on my wall. It just says, yes, I can. Mm. And I remember when I was doing my second world record attempt with the Turkish get up. I, I, for some reason, the first 40 minutes, I was a mess. I was a mess in the sense that everything just felt so much harder than it did in practice. And right around the 40 minute mark, I just started screaming out loud. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Yes, I can. Because in my head at that point, I really didn't believe I could. And I needed to hear those words. I needed to hear that positive validation, that note. Yes, you can do this. And I really do believe that's the only way I, I finished the final 20 minutes and was able to break my record. Words are, words are powerful, be it negative or positive. Yeah, I was listening to this podcast the other day and this lady was like, how can you love somebody if you can't even look in the mirror and tell yourself you love yourself? Yeah. And there's a lot of people walking around who they probably have other problems with other people because they internally don't love themselves enough. So, yeah, words, like I said, words are powerful. If you're always having negative thoughts, you're going to breed that. Like, it's like they say your diet's not what you eat only. It's what you consume, who you're around, what you uh, watch and listen to. And so a lot of people just need to do a reset and be like, hey, is this what I really want out of my life? Yeah. Because we're not here very long. Yeah. I was, I, I had this guy with me, um, not, it was like two weeks ago or something like that. And <clears throat> every time we would go into this, uh, like an account or something, he would ask the something to say about like the person working there or something. I'm like, dude, like these people run this store, like they work here like 18 hours a day. And like, you know, if you can't not make a joke, you may not want to do this because you're going to see like even people that have the same you every time we go in the account you're probably going to see like different tiers of the these these people and he was like oh i didn't know it was like this i just figured people from like america you know i was like well that's that's the thing like it's people from other countries that come here to take these opportunities and sorry that the guy's english isn't perfect like yours but you know he still speaks english and we really didn't talk much the rest of the week, but I was just, I was just telling him, I was like, you know, this is the job. You have to become friends with these people. Like, you know, they're just not, we're just not here for no reason. And I don't know how he took it, but I'm pretty sure he won't be with me again. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think the the people that we're spending time with, they have such a, a big impact on us, be it good or bad. And I think one of the hardest things for people is to come to the revelation that the people I am surrounding myself with are not people who are supporting me in a positive way. And to be able to purge those people from your life is not necessarily an easy thing. Like you might realize I have a spouse who kind of sucks and I don't want to be with this person or, you know, I've been, you know, spending all this time with a friend who's really not a good friend and I don't know how to let them go. Um, but sometimes like that's what it takes in order to be able to retrain yourself into, you know, a more positive space. Um, yeah, it's hard. 
relationships are hard. Relationships with other people are hard. And I think especially having a positive relationship with yourself is really hard if you are surrounded by people who do not bring out the best in you the majority of the time. Have you ever had to sever your relationships with people that have been around forever? Yep. Yeah. I'm in like a really weird place right now with my family. Um, I grew up, I come from like a very conservative Catholic family and recently I've like been more outspoken with my thoughts and my beliefs without tiptoeing around them. And like, they're really not into it. So I don't really spend a whole lot of time with them or talk to them or give them a lot because I don't want to, I don't want to try and become a chameleon just to appease other people. Um, Cause at the end of the day, you know, I think the most important relationship I'm going to have with anybody else on this planet is the relationship I have with myself. Um, so I would rather do things that make me feel good versus trying to appease other people. Um, that's like some stuff with my family, but like I had a best friend, I had a best friend. I met her a different best friend that I met around the sixth grade. And, um, you know, I don't really support her and her lifestyle and the way she treats me as a friend. I had like a super, um, transparent conversation with her this past summer being like, I don't feel like you bring value to me as a friend at this point. And like, I don't want to waste time, you know, talking to you, which I think some people would be like, man, that was really cold. But at the same time, it's like, you know, to what you said earlier, we only have so much time here. So why would you waste it with people who don't light you up? And it's hard because I think we change and we grow and some, you know, relationships are here to teach us lessons and some relationships are here to serve us throughout the entirety of our life. And we don't know who's going to be like ride or die until we're like actually in those transitional moments to see. No, I completely can relate to that. Like there's some people that uh, it's like you're not growing on the same pace that I'm growing. So why do I want to have you around me if you're bringing me down? Yeah. Like I don't want a coattail rider. No. I had a woman who I was training. Oh my gosh. She's a really cool lady. I think she's a really cool lady because she's being dealt a really rough hand of cards and she's like turning it into a freaking Royal flush. Um, but she was married to this man who the second she started training with kettlebells and like becoming more positive with herself and like getting her shit together. Um, he started just like tearing her down more and more and was like, I don't want to see you, you know, outgrowing me. And I think that comes from a place of, of fear. And sometimes like those, those people, they, they get really vicious and, um, They like want to weigh you down because they're, they're afraid of losing you. Um, she ended up leaving him. And I think um, that was probably a really hard thing for her to do. But the fact that she did, like she's been able to do a full 180 on what her life looks like now. And I'm excited for her. I think it's a really hard thing to do. Um, but it's, it's cool. Sometimes like we just, sometimes we're here. 
And it requires us to break down to here in order to get to here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of craps in the bucket out there. Yeah. That's unfortunate. I don't see why everybody wouldn't want to see everybody win or do well. I but know, because we're collective. Yeah, but I think it is they see you doing something they're not, so that it makes them look internally. Mm-hmm. And they're like, fuck, man. They're like, I'm a loser, so I want you to be a loser. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, you should try to elevate people. I always say you want to be monkeys in a barrel than crabs in a bucket. <laughs> you know, it's just crazy how people think. Well, it's hard. Like, when you see somebody who's doing something that, like, you know, you find impressive, it's like, I guess I have to step up my game. And that requires you to get uncomfortable and put in some hard work. And I don't think everybody is meant to, um, like, enjoy the discomfort and, in, and, like, see the vision of what could happen if I, you know, just rough it for a little while. Mm-hmm. I like that. Um, I, I love a transformation. But I think one of the reasons why that is, is because I've had to deal with so many leading up to this point in my life that like, I know what can happen. But I think especially for, uh, for some people, it's just, it's, it's too uncomfortable and they don't like it. Well, even, oh, sorry. Even going back to the fitness, when you were talking about earlier about the journey, I think doing stuff that sucks is one of the best things you can do because it, it fortifies your mind. They're like, Hey, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes like doing stuff you love is, is easy to do, but doing something you don't want to do that, you know, you have to do is one of the best things you can possibly do. That's what it helps you grow. Right. Also. Cause I mean, everybody does stuff every day that they don't like, but they still do it. So it's like, Brushing. you might as well do something. <laughs> you might as well do something <laughs> that's going to better you. Like I always say, like an hour is going to pass regardless. So you might as well use that hour to like better yourself physically, mentally, or, or financially. I agree with you. Because, like, I wonder, like, if people could see, like, a clock, like, if we had a timeline clock, like, ticking down, would you still want to waste the time that you, not to better yourself? Mm-hmm. There's a Justin Timberlake movie, like, where you, your life is, like, on time, you know, and, like, obviously, like, but you can buy more time or give time to people. It's really, it's a really good movie because I, I, I haven't seen all of it, but, like, most of it, he's, he's about to run out of time. And then... Somebody gives him a bunch of time or something like that, and he just doesn't know what to do with it all. So then he gets miserable, more miserable in the movie. Mm. Do you think more people wish they had more or less time? I think it depends on their quality of life. I think if you're miserable, you probably want less time. Mm. I think if you're happy, you're going to want more time. Mm. Like if you're going to die right now, what's one thing you wish you would have done? Love that question. Skydive. Ooh, man. And that makes me feel like, well, then like, bitch, you're supposed to go skydiving. Like, <laughs> let's make it happen. I don't know. Maybe. I, I don't know. You go first. Let me keep on thinking. Let me come back to this question. I want to go to Thailand. Okay. Me so tra- you, can, you can do that. You can, you can choose like travel. Okay. You can choose whatever. It's a question, yeah. man. Whatever's oh, okay, in your okay. head. I definitely want to go to Japan. I want to bathe an elephant. Mm. See, my friend Alex is Alex and her fiance are in uh, Thailand right now before they go to Indonesia. And she, she posted some videos on her Snapchat. And that's what she was doing. She was bathing an elephant and then she was feeding the elephant a bunch of fruit and stuff. Like it was so cool looking, man. I was like, holy shit, that's like such a cool experience. 
Do you think like younger you, would they think you're at, would be where they're at, you're at today? No, I had no idea that this was going to be how life would unfold. Absolutely not. I love where I'm at. I love who I've become, which is crazy because I think for so long I hated me so much. Um, but I've figured out how to really love me. And I feel like I'm still on like a discovery journey, which is exciting. Cause I feel like, you know, there's, I mean, I hope I don't die today. I hope I get a lot more years, um, to discover and experience more with myself. Um, my husband will joke around with me. He's like, you don't want to spend time with anyone. I'm just like, I just really like me. And I really just <laughs> want to spend more time with me. <laughs> um, but no, I, I don't think younger me would have known that this is where I would be. And I kind of love that. So were you good at hiding it or did you let people know that you weren't happy back then? Um, I would never say that anybody really knew me growing up. Again, like I moved around a lot. So it was always really hard to make friends. Um when I was in college, I went to college for musical theater and I was in a very small program where, you know, everybody's just competing all the time. So I pretty much stayed to myself. Um, I met my husband when I was 19 and I would say he knew there were like miserable pieces of me, Mm -hmm. Um, but I never really had like friends to point anything out. Um, But my parents, my parents, it's so weird. I remember I actually called them out like a year ago. I was like, did you guys know that I had an eating disorder? And they were like, of course we did. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, why didn't you say anything? Like, why didn't we get me help? Um, so I think my family knew that there were some like miserable pieces of me. I know my husband knew there were like some sad parts of me, but um, I think having that like musical theater background, I've also just been a good person at like hiding. Mm -hmm. Um, But I know, I know how I've changed. I know how I used to view myself. I know how I view myself now. Um, And I don't know that necessarily other people seeing something really changes anything. Like, I don't know. I think about like Twitch, you know, Twitch's recent passing. Oh, you know yeah, from about? the Ellen show? Or no? Oh, I was like, who are you talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah sorry. Everybody saw him as like, I mean, I, it's, I, don't, I don't actually know him, but, you know, everybody described him as like this super like happy-go-lucky guy. And, you know, clearly something wasn't super happy-go-lucky. Um, I don't know that everybody can always tell. I think, I think it can be helpful when people can see emotions to potentially help. But I don't know that everybody is always ready to receive help. And I think for me, um, not being super close to a lot of people, spending a lot of time alone, it was definitely easier to not let other people see how unhappy I was. Um, does that answer the question? Did I go on a tangent? No, you're fine. No, no. So how did you uh, get past your eating disorder? Or is it a constant struggle still today? No, it's not. Um, the kettlebell 
was really helpful. Um, I remember when I, when I was in my early twenties, my husband was really helpful in the sense that he was like, you eat very strangely. And I was like, what the fuck do you mean? He's like, it's not like normal to eat, you know, Cheez-Its and Nutella for dinner and then just like lock yourself in the bathroom for a while. Like what's going on? Um, he was a really helpful person in the sense that he would just like ask a lot of questions and, um, without saying that anything was wrong, would share like, Oh, well, this is how I go about, um, eating. This is the kind of stuff I do with my clients. He's also in the fitness industry. Um, so that was helpful and eye opening, but I wasn't really super ready to make a switch. I think once I started working with the kettlebells, that's when things changed in a more positive way. Um, and then over the years, over the years, just having more acceptance for myself, I've just like naturally gotten into a better place with the relationship I have with my body and with food. And now at this point, if things do get weird with food, I work with a registered dietitian to help like keep me in check. Um, so yeah, it's been like, it, it I was never sent to a facility. I was never, um, like a light switch didn't happen one day. It's been like slow, slow moments that have got me to a point where I'm just like, I don't need to do that anymore. But I think the other thing that's like a really big component is I wanted control and I wanted to feel accepted. And the cool thing about once I started using the kettlebells is that I realized I don't need to get other people to like me. I need to get to like me Mm -hmm. on my own. And once I started using the kettlebells and I started realizing like, holy shit, like Colleen Conlon, like badass bitch right there. Let's go. Um, I started accepting myself in a totally different way. And that changed my viewpoint. Like I remember within the first year of training with kettlebells, I got my first pull up and I was like, so freaking psyched. And then a year after that, I was at this progressive calisthenic uh, workshop. And it was like me and like 20 dudes. And I remember just being like, why the fuck am I here? Like, why did I sign up for this? They're all doing like, they're learning how to do like single arm pushups and handstand pushups. And like, I can, I'm, I'm, I'm still very new on my journey. And I'm just like, I don't know what I'm going to be able to do here. But the guys, the two guys leading, um, Danny and Al Cavadlo, who are like, the pioneers within the progressive calisthenic world. Um, They got me into a tuck flag, which was like mind boggling. So for anybody who's listening to this and they're just like, what, what does that mean? So, you know, when somebody's hanging from like a pull-up bar, they're hanging, you know, vertically. Mm -hmm. So being in a flag is where you hang. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's tough. So they were able to cue me into doing that with my knees bent. And I remember thinking like, I am magical. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah. Um, and again, like it, it just, it's helped me to start seeing my body in a different way. And like, it wasn't about being like skinny and liked by other people. Like I was starting to feel strong and I was starting to think like, wow, Colleen's cool. I want to explore more with her. I want to empower her. I want to be around people who can help 
bring her up because it feels good. So can you explain bulimia to us? All I really know about it, obviously you throw up after you eat, right? But then there was a movie like in the 80s with like Meredith Baxter burning and she like ate a bunch of shit and then she would go like the grocery store and like eat Oreos and then she would throw them up afterwards. So like, what is the point of eating the food and then purging it? Uh, I think for me, a lot of it had to do with not feeling in control and then needing to get control. So like I come home after school and I would just like go rogue in the kitchen eating like a bowl of pasta, a bowl of mashed potatoes, ice cream, cheese, just like I would put anything and everything into my body to like feel this sense of like wholeness. And then I would be like, I would, I would be so upset that I did that. Mm. Uh, I'd go lock myself in the bathroom, run the bathtub so no one could hear me in theory, and then just like throw it all up. And I would stare at myself in the mirror, just like crying with like vomit on my face and boogers coming out of my nose, just being like, you were disgusting. And it was just like the most vicious, mean cycle that repeated day after day after day. Now, how come your parents didn't say anything to you when they knew you were doing it? I don't know. That's just- I really don't know. I do know that my mom, like I found out later that my mom struggled with anorexia and my dad struggled with bulimia. Mm-hmm. Um when they were, um, my mom growing up and my dad, when he was in medical school, um, I don't know why they didn't say anything. I think like if I were to, you know, psychoanalyze them again, coming from this like very conservative family, it's this whole idea that like my family's perfect Mm -hmm. that like they didn't want to, you know, have uh, a, a piece in the, the dynamic that wasn't perfect. That would be my guess, but I don't know. It's like people that don't know if I'm ever going to know. It's like people that don't answer bill collector phone calls. Like the bill is still there. Like just because you're not answering the phone doesn't mean the problem is not going to, it's not going to go away. But a lot of people have that, that mindset. If, if I don't deal with it, it's, it's fine. Yeah. So is, I guess it's a lot of shame involved with bulimia because you, you gorge yourself and then you feel like regret of having all that in you and then you want to get it out. For me, yeah, I think using the word shame makes a lot of sense. I can't speak for everybody with it. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a professional within that space. But yeah, I think I think shame and control Mm. are the two words that come to mind. Wow. Yeah, you never know what anybody's going through. I mean, that's the whole thing about being kind or the golden rule. It's like, just be nice because somebody is dealing with something. Some people are better hiding it than others. Like you mentioned, what do you say? His name is Twitch. Like I always think about Robin Williams. Everyone always yeah. gives, uses him as an example. Mm. But it's just like it's it's sad that you know all people are going through shit, and it it seems like a really ramped up really in the last couple of years, or more maybe because everything's online, so you see a lot more stuff than in the past, and maybe people are, are more you know empathetic to people, so they're starting to see that people have issues. But it's just like I think there needs to be more work done on the mental side of people. Mental health needs to be more in the forefront. Yeah. And I think it's coming. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, 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 no. Go on. Go on. I think it's coming like that because like, you know, when people had to be at home by themselves and stuff like that during COVID and stuff, like that was so unfortunate. Like, you're, I don't know. I have some friends that were like, man, it's so sad. We can't go do anything or anything. I was like, well, I mean, what do you want to do? Like everything shut down. Like, so we were just, 
hang out at work like after like we got done for the day or something like before we drove home and stuff because i didn't realize that you know when he went home it, it was just him there by himself and he was a really social dude so like he would always be you know hanging out at happy hour with everybody and stuff like that and when that was taken away he didn't know what to do i think he definitely uh hit the nail on the head uh bringing up the the pandemic i i have a, a close girlfriend who um is a psychologist and she's, and she sees a, who does she see? Not a psychologist. What's the other one? Psychotherapist. Psychotherapist. And who's the one who can prescribe medication? Psychotherapist. Yeah. I think that's what it is. I don't know, but I know what you're talking about. So she told me like at this point, it's so hard to find anyone. And she was in an appointment getting evaluated and she was like an evaluation should uh, take like an hour to 90 minutes. And they only brought me in for 20 minutes before prescribing me something that ended up like her off the rocker. Um, I think there's so many people at this point who are dealing with different mental health issues that we as a collective and those people who can prescribe, there's just not enough of them to go around. So, you know, to your point, again, I think the kinder we can be to each other, the better, because there's a lot of stuff going on, whether we see it or it stays behind closed doors. And like, that's what our society needs. We just, we need, we need positive without being like, it needs to be like good vibes only. We just need to be more compassionate and and kind to each other. Yeah, because like I said, we're inundated with so much bullshit all day long. This is happening. This mass shooting. This person did this heinous act. People are robbing people. You got the Kia boys or whatever the fuck, you know, always stealing cars and shit. It's just like there are good people. I think most people are inherently good. There's just a small fraction that are loud and they get all the attention, especially from social media and the news. It's because that's cash is currency, like fear is currency. So they keep stirring that pot. But I mean, I think if people saw more good shit, they would probably want to do good shit, too. So like, yeah. you can do like small acts of kindness for somebody and that might springboard them to do something for somebody else. Yeah, I love that. What's the last small act of kindness you got to bestow on somebody? I always hold the door for people. Uh, yeah. That was just yesterday, my last stop. Uh, that also or saying hello. Because, you know, just saying hello or holding the door. I mean, it's, for me, it's just the, literally holding the door or, hey, how are you? You know, as I walk in or, or leaving, bye, see you guys later, have a good weekend, you know, something like that. Like, that's people, people appreciate that. And I can tell. And so I've always, I started doing that, like, all the time, like, maybe, like, five, six months ago, I think. And, and now it's just, like, you know, it, it, it makes me feel good, too. So I guess, I don't know. That's that's what my kindness was, Tony. I think that's wonderful. I always like pick up trash when I see it at the gym. Like people will like have their paper towels from wiping down the machines and they'll leave them. And I, instead of just walking over, I'll just pick it up. So that stops the person that works there from having to do it. So I guess that's an act of kindness I do. It what about good. yourself? Uh, when I go to coffee shops, I like to buy the person behind me their drink. Oh, that'd be nice. I thought about this. I saw this and I want to do it. I haven't done it yet, but I want to get a group of people together and I I can't remember what the challenge is, some kind of challenge, but I don't have to like publicize it or whatever, but get like a group of people, like eight to 12 people, go to a restaurant. 
everybody tips the server a hundred bucks on top of what they already have. It's really nice. So that can like really change somebody's fucking month, especially now how, you know, it's so tough for a lot of people. Everything's so freaking expensive too. So that would definitely, definitely be awesome for you to do that. When are you going to do it? I'll do it soon. I'll do, I just got to get enough people together to do it. How many people are you trying to get together? Like eight to 12. Do it. Yeah. So the server would make $1,200. Yeah. Hell yeah. Or, and then I would, I would make sure it's cash, not on the credit card machine. Credit card. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Because I've heard this thing about like restaurant people, like sometimes like owners, like not say, I, I don't know. I've just read this on Reddit and stuff that sometimes an owner of a restaurant will keep a percentage of the credit card tip. Mm-hmm. That's exactly what I said. I was like, that's fucked up. But I don't know. Now I'm going to set a date. Let me see. Set it right now. Uh, yeah, I think you should set it right now on the call. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see here. Uh, Do a Saturday. Maybe the 11th. Saturday, March 11th? Yeah. I got to find out when Brad's not out of town. But I'm thinking the 11th should be good. I'll just get a group of people together. You're going to make someone stay. Hopefully. Hopefully. That's the best, like, to to be able to bring something so good like that to somebody else. I don't know. Like, like, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love receiving a gift, but there's something just, like, extra special about giving, I think. I think giving is one of the best gifts. Like, we did a homeless dinner for some people here in town, and... They put on, they put my number on the news. So all these people kept calling me, like asking to volunteer because we were looking for volunteers at the time. And then like uh, somebody called me when we were at the, the center and they're like, hey, um, are you doing that dinner? I'm like, yeah, if you want to come volunteer. They're like, no, no, I was wondering if we can eat. I'm like, yeah, sure. Come to the community center. That's fine. And they're like, well, I don't have a car and my kids and I haven't eaten in like three days. And I was like, oh, shit. And I was like, okay, I'm going to pack some stuff up and then we'll come to where you're at. So we go to her house and she lives not too far from like kind of a nice area. But, you know, she's on the other side of tracks. You want to call literally on the other side of tracks. And uh, like she opened the door. Her kids look kind of emaciated, but they look so happy when we brought them the food. Like that was one of the best gifts that I was given. So like like you said, getting gifts are nice, but giving is is better. I was on Instagram the other day. There's a kid that I follow and um, he ran, he ran a, a marathon. He made sure to like go last. And he was like trying for every person that he like got in front of after starting at the very end, he was like raising money for um, I think for a children's hospital. And every time he would see a kid, he would hand out a lollipop. Mm. And I just love that. It made me feel so happy. Um, yeah, you guys are kind of inspiring me right now. I feel like I want to figure out a way to do something a little bit bigger to to give back. I don't know what it is. Like I said, I think the I coffee know. thing is really cool. I mean, because like I said, somebody's going to go up to the, the counter and assume they've got to pay for their shit. And then they're like, oh, it's already been taken care of. Who paid for it? Yeah. That, that lady just left. Yeah. Because I've heard of people doing that. It's never happened to me before, but I have heard that people do that, like pay it forward or whatever. Yeah. But I think that's very sweet. But like I said, that's just, we need more of that. Like little things like that might encourage somebody else to do it. 
I'm going to do, um, you know, I'm sure y'all seen it. Like when you go to the grocery store and someone just puts that credit card, that credit card in the machine before you, you can put yours in and you just walk off. Like next time I see some older people at Kroger, I'm going to do it. That's really cool. Cause you know, most older people, my parents are that age, you know, and like they're on a fixed income now since they retired. So like anything that they don't have to pay for helps, right? People. Totally. So I'm fortunate enough that I have a good job and, you know, I've worked for my family for so long. So I have a lot of money saved from that. So that'd be nice. And plus my mom's always made us be givers and stuff like that. Cause she definitely is 100% the person that, um, was always the spearhead. And when we did like free food and stuff like that, our store and stuff like that, she was like, yeah, I think it's almost time. Cause it used to be like the day her mom passed away and the day her dad passed away. Like that's the, the two times a year. And then it became like four times a year. Then it just became kind of whenever. Mm. Yeah. That's really cool. That's really cool. I don't know. Even just like getting to talk about this right now, like this was not at all. Um, on my head when I woke up this morning. But now I just feel like this urge to like come up with some different small acts of kindness and just pay it forward. I'm very excited about this. I'm going to be working out later today. I have a big like um, post-it notes that I keep on the wall because I get my best ideas and I just like need to write them down while I'm working out. Um, And I can't wait to see what pops into my head. Let me know. I'm really curious too. I want to know for sure now. So what are some of your goals? Uh, in what aspect? Life, business, just whatever. Skydiving, skydiving is That's one a goal. Right? Yeah. yeah. Skydiving. Um, another like fun one. I really just want to get my face on a restaurant. Like I want to win a food eating contest at a restaurant. <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've, accomplished, I've accomplished that. I How won. Uh, I won this uh, pizza eating contest at my buddy's uh, no bar. Way. Yeah. <laughs> but you should have seen. You should have seen what I looked like when Tony was driving us home. It was Brad. <laughs> I was Brad. My friend Brad was driving us home, and I'm just laid out in the back seat, like, "Oh my god, I can't fucking move!" Like it was. I was like, "I'm dying." How much pizza did you eat? It was one. I can't remember exactly. I think it was, it was the fastest to eat the one size pizza they make. Okay. And I finished first, and my friend Alex, she came in second or something like that. I think you actually lost. No, I didn't. The Devin guy won. No, because he wasn't eligible because he worked but there. I'm still saying he <laughs> ate the pizza. Faster. It was a regular pizza. It wasn't like some giant. <laughs> no, pizza. I fucking won the contest. It was I, like the pizza was the size of this table. That would be like something to be like excited <laughs> about. <laughs> but no, I won the contest. He was ineligible because he like knew how he's, he was going to do it and stuff. So he was preparing himself. Put the pizza in his mouth? <laughs> no, nah, he got like folded and stuff like that. I remember that. I mean, he's acting like he's Joey Chestnut over here. <laughs> not it was worth it. Where was your picture at? Is it, is it up there? No. <laughs> so it's not even what she's talking that. about. Like, we used to have this, well, I think it's still here. It's a place called Kook Canuck. Oh, yeah, it is. And they have like... Uh, like this big burger that people eat. It's like a Sasquatch burger. They used, I think they were on the Food Channel at one time. But it was under a different... It was called Bigfoot, I think. Bigfoot. Yeah, Bigfoot Lodge. But uh, yeah, like that's something crazy where people eat that kind of stuff. But I don't know. I like... Do you ever watch Man vs. Food? I don't even know if it's still well, of on. Of course. Like those challenges he does, like especially with the spicy stuff. I'm like, why? Do you hate yourself? 
<laughs> There's no I I way he can be happy after that. I couldn't do the spicy stuff, but I would love to tag along and just like try that food. So what's one thing you think you could do? Like as far as pizza, a totally. pizza, totally do pizza, totally do cheeseburger. I've done a watermelon. Oh, I tied a contest. I mean, it was not an official contest. It was me and like one of my husband's friends. And we just like, we wanted to see who could eat half of like a full size watermelon, the fastest. And it was just us staring at each other for about 30 minutes. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> oh God. It's amazing what the body can take in though. Like when I watch those people do that stuff at that hot dog eating contest, every Gross. what 4th of July, I'm like, July, why? Yeah. Like they're soaking the body in the water. People they're small people. Like that Joey Chestnut and what was that the Japanese guy? I can't think of his oh, name. Oh, I know who you're talking about. But like they like I'm like that's that's impressive. Kudos to that. I would never want to be in a hot dog eating contest. But I also don't like hot dogs. Like if I'm gonna get a hot dog, I request that it gets burnt. Mm, interesting. I would not want to do that. Tacos, I could probably do a taco eating contest. What what, what, what would you do anything like that, Tony? What food do you love the most? Steak. See, I would no, that would be too hard. I'm not yeah. fucking Uncle Buck or whatever the fuck. Oh, the great outdoors. Yeah. It's, it's a 96. I think your mouth would get tired. Yeah, that's steak. too that's too hard. Um maybe sushi. I bet they yeah. do have a sushi. But I probably one. would you probably get filled up so because so much rice. rice. I'm to think I definitely wouldn't want to do ice cream. That'd be gross. Could you get probably brain freeze? What are your favorite foods? I wouldn't want to ruin my favorite food, though. That would ruin it for me. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. I could do it with pizza, and I would still love pizza. Pancakes. 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 Pancakes and eggs. You wouldn't want to put eggs in it. You just want the pancakes only. But then you got to have a lot of syrup because it's going to get dry. It will get very dry. I don't know. Maybe that's a goal that we can all create a food eating contest. A food thing. Let's do it. I'll fly out. (laughs) Yeah, you can meet Nikki. (laughs) I would love that. Uh, yeah, there's actually a couple of people I have on my radar um, to get to in Tennessee. I don't really understand the geography in, in Tennessee, though. It's a big state, right? It takes How long a, does it take to go from one side to the other? Uh, from from Memphis to, I think it's um, Bristol, which is the very, very top of like North Carolina and stuff. I think it will take like 10 and a half hours, 11 hours, something like that. I think the only parts of Tennessee people really know is Nashville, Memphis, Chattanooga, yeah. and Knoxville. Yeah. I mean, as far as I know, and I live in Tennessee. Guys, if I make it out to Tennessee this year, are we going to have a food eating contest? For sure. Most definitely. You can see his uh, pizza eating skills that he he bragged about. <laughs> <laughs> do you do a lot of traveling? Um, I can. I don't. Um, but I can, like, that's the beauty of being a virtual trainer at this point is the fact that so long as I have Wi-Fi, I can go wherever I want. I am definitely a creature of habit. Like, even though I could be anywhere, I like to be in my office. I like to have my kettlebells. I like to have my bed, my kitchen. Um, but I can go anywhere, um, which has definitely been interesting and a blessing, I would say, since the pandemic. Because before that, like I couldn't, I couldn't just like get up and leave. And so, I can. what exactly does your business entail? What does my business entail? So, 
the majority of time I spend is with clients, either one-on-one, semi-private, or in side of an intensive. So I spend a lot of time just like in this office on calls, coaching people with kettlebells. Um, I also have a retreat business that is in its second year now. I've hosted three retreats in the state of Arizona where women fly out from all over the country to compete in a friendly competition um, over over the weekend. Um, So that's something I'm trying to push a little bit more. Um, And... I would say those are like the the main things. I recently wrote a book um, on kettlebells and it talks about my experience getting started with them, my world records. And it talks, my favorite part about the book is all of these different women that I've had the ability to coach. Um, they share their stories of how kettlebells have impacted their lives. And I think it's really cool because I don't, I don't think there's enough women who train this way at this point to be like, oh yeah, we all do this. But when you get to read about these women who do it and who have all come from like backgrounds that you do see more of, like, I think, I think if you were to pull a bunch of women and be like, how many of you have taken a group fitness class? I would assume like probably close to 85% of them would say yes in some fashion. Um, And that's like a lot of the women that I work with, like they come from that kind of a background and they want to, you know, transition into strength training. And I think kettlebells is like the perfect way to get started. Um, So you get to hear like their real life experiences, which are really cool. And a lot of the women get really fucking vulnerable. Um, So to hear, to hear the transformations are really cool. I happen, I had no idea. And, um, I don't necessarily know what it is I do to attract this, but I do have a lot of women that I've worked with who have some type of an extreme past trauma. Mm. And in working with the kettlebells, it's almost been seen as a healing tool. And that's another chapter in the book, um, which is really cool that one of my clients who's a psychologist, uh, she writes a whole chapter on how kettlebells have the the power to to heal somebody from a traumatic experience. And a lot of that comes down to awareness and breath and like being present in your body, which is something you have to do with the kettlebell so that you don't get hurt. Mm. Um, so that's really cool. Um, but yeah, that's, that's my business. What's your book called? Kettlebell Catalyst. It's on Amazon. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble. How'd you go about writing that? I woke up one day Ooh. and I said, I'm going to write a book. There you yeah. are. Hey. Yeah. Yeah. I'm buying I'm right sorry. Now. What were you saying? I woke up one day and I was like, I'm going to write a book. And I did. How long did it, it take you? Long. It, it took a year. Oh, okay. um, it took me, um, it took me two months to like outline and then write it. And then I worked with a team of editors to like make it, make it look pretty. Yeah, we had but it's, it's stories and it's tutorials on how to do the big six, which are like the basic exercises that you're going to use in hard style technique. Um, so I love the book. I, I I really feel like it's a way it's a low ticket way into this world 
for somebody who's curious as to what it entails and looks like and wants to know if it's for them or not. Because it can be a lot like to invest in a a brand new type of training to like get kettlebells to get a coach because I really do believe this is a type of training where like you need feedback. Um, It's expensive to invest in yourself. It can be. Um, So to be able to have a a guide like this, I I think is really cool. Like I wish I had something like this, Um, but I, I didn't at the time. I was very fortunate to meet the, the, the first coach I had, he was incredible. Um, but I, I feel like if I had had a woman's perspective and multiple women's perspectives, I probably would have bought into it a little bit sooner. And I probably would have figured out how to love, love myself a little bit sooner because of that. Yeah. We've had uh was it? Pavel Masick? Pavel. Pavel. Yeah. We had oh, him yeah, on here. Interview him? Yeah. You said that's so freaking cool. Really nice guy. But he was talking about how like people need to get an actual coach and not just swing it around because then they'll probably end up hurting themselves or develop bad form. Yeah. My friend Jared, well, our friend, excuse me, our friend Jared teaches a class or he was, it's called uh, Zen Kettlebell. And uh, so the first 30 minutes are whichever way he did it, 30 minutes yoga and then 30 minutes hard style kettlebell. And a lot of the, like, I've never done either one of those. And then a lot of the girls, like you were just saying, have always, they've done yoga, but never lifted a kettlebell. So like he would always teach us and, you know, correct everybody's form. And we, I think I went for like, I think what he was teaching, it was like six, seven months straight, like once a week. Yeah. It was really, it's really cool. But he was saying, man, when he had to get certified, he said to get certified in the kettlebell was one of the hardest things he's ever done. It's very technical. I don't think people realize that. I've, um, so I believe Nikki is affiliated with Strong First. Mm-hmm. I'm affiliated with RKC. Um, so Pavel first started with RKC and then split to start Strong First. But like the, 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 the weekends are broken up the same way. Like you have to test X, X amount of skills with X amount of weight to, to pass. Um, and I've I've been able to assist at some of these certifications through RKC. And it's just crazy how like some people will show up being like, I've never touched a kettlebell. I'm going to try and test out. And it's just like, please don't try and test out. Because as simple as this stuff looks and like when you have somebody like, I mean, Nikki has gorgeous technique. Like when you watch somebody like that perform these exercises, um, it looks like, oh, yeah, I can do it. But when you try, it's like, oh, fuck, I can't do it. Like, I need to learn. I need to get Miyagi'd. <laughs> yeah, it was um, funny. We were sitting in one of Nikki's classes, and she was like, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, let's let's turn it up a little bit, guys. And, and we are, all right. And she she, she added two, a, th- a combo, or what, I can't remember exactly what it was. And we were all just looking at each other like, yeah, but let's just go back to the other stuff. <laughs> She's like, no, this is what she, this is what I want y'all to do. I was like, so we did it, and she was like coming over, helping us like with our form and stuff. I was like, can we please go back to the next uh, to the simpler stuff? How's this? And she was like, maybe, but it was great. Yeah, like you were saying, she she's definitely up there. Yeah. So, how many women? Because you said it's predominantly women you teach. Predominantly, yes. So, like. Have they had a huge shift in their confidence 
since they've been working with you? Huge. Um, I want to say the book, there's 10 women who share their stories and everything ends with like, now I can leave the relationship that is no longer serving me. Now I can ask for the raise. Now I can, you know, step into this more powerful version of myself because I believe I can. I think the coolest thing about the kettlebell is just like that lesson in confidence. And it's not a lesson everybody's going to learn. Like, I really do believe you can't water these skills down. Um, and Pavel saying you need a coach, like you fucking need a coach because this stuff is hard. And to be able to do these skills with a heavy enough weight that's going to serve you where you're not like using the wrong body parts to do the exercise. Like, for example, I think a lot of people, when they're going to swing a kettlebell for the first time, they get something that's way too light. Um, And what happens is they start to like lift it with their arms and they start doing like a front raise instead where it's actually a lower body dominant exercise. But in order to, you know, be able to use your legs and feel safe using a heavy enough weight, you need to understand, well, how do I create tension? How do I utilize my breath? What's the timing? And that stuff that like you need a a coach to talk you through. Um, And when you do learn those skills and you do learn how to use them, learn how to perform them with an appropriate amount, with an appropriate size weight, you start realizing like, wow, I'm unstoppable. But in order to be able to do that, you kind of like, you you need somebody to help you along the way so that you feel safe. And I don't know, when I watch people just like going about things on YouTube, because occasionally like people will be like, hey, Colleen, can you look at my video? Um, And I rarely do that. But in the past when I have, I'm just like, who's your coach? And they're like, oh, I'm teaching myself. And I'm like, go get a coach. Yeah. Like, who's your coach? I need contact with this person because they're teaching you wrong. <laughs> so how does somebody that lacks confidence start? Um, all of my clients start with learning how to do a deadlift. That's the first exercise they're going to learn how to do. I have So right now I'm in the midst of my 13-week intensive. So it's called Swing to Snatch, 13-week kettlebell intensive. And we learn how to do the big six. So swing, clean, squat strict press, snatch, and Turkish getup, at least testing size bells, um, which is what you would test out with at a strong first or an RKC, if not something up to eight kilos heavier. Um, And, you know, week one, the group who's in the cohort right now, you know, they're learning how to deadlift their testing size bell. So for women, that's going to be somewhere between 10 to 35 pounds for men. I have had men go through the course before. Um, Men that starts at 20 to 24 kilos. So 45 to 50 pounds. And, you know, this week my women are offset deadlifting both of their bells. So they have, you know, their 20 to 35 plus their 45 to 55 that they're able to lift for the first time. Um, So that's where it starts. It starts with the deadlift. The deadlift is such an important pattern to lock into your body because if you can deadlift, that's then going to progress to your swing, which will then progress to a single arm swing, which eventually will progress into your snatch. 
So that's where it that's where it begins exercise wise. Hmm. Deadlift is number one for exercise. Did you build off the deadlift? We build off the deadlift. Well, I've yeah. always heard like the deadlift is the only exercise that really replicates real life movements. So like you're always picking something up, like bench press, we're not really doing that in real life, you know. Uh, but you always heard a deadlift is like the main workout that's like full functional for one thing. And then two, it like emulates real life. Oh, yeah. Because I guess if you're doing that wrong, because I mean, you could really fuck your back up if you're doing that shit wrong. <laughs> yep. Now, do you a lot do a lot of people. So. I'm not trying to generalize, but I would assume more women are probably not going to have the ego like guys would with weights as far as like a guy's like, oh, I have to pick up the heaviest thing because I don't want to look like a bitch. Mm -hmm. And maybe a woman (laughs) is more or less likely to do that. Is that true in your opinion or what you've seen? From my experience, from my experience, all of my women, for the most part, are always just like. I don't know. I think that's too heavy, Colleen. Mm. And I have to like talk them into realizing it's really not too heavy. It's actually very appropriate. Um, Yeah, I think ego definitely gets in the way a little bit more with men. It's like Um, that meme. That's why y'all live longer because we're always doing (laughs) dumb dumb shit, shit, man. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, Allie, uh, but Allie, um, I mean, not Allie, but um, Nikki said we were in one of the classes. She was like, Allie, come here. And like, I want you to use this way that I'm using. And she's like, there's no way I can do that. It's just way too, you know, I'm, she's like, just try it. And she's like, all right. And then she was like, I want you to do this, these exercises with, with the way that I'm using. And she went up there and she tried, she was able to do it. And then, you know, Allie's been one of those people that was coming to all of Jared's classes. And then she's also going to Nikki's classes and stuff like that. But like, she had no idea she could she could lift that weight until she tried. So that's something I've never thought about, though. Like, I never put two and two together as far as being able to pick up something you didn't think you would do to building your confidence. Or But now, once you explain it, I can see definitely how it would build somebody's confidence. Yeah. I think especially, especially for the women that I have worked with, um, they need to be encouraged and reminded that yes, you can do this. Um, especially the ones who don't come into this with any type of a strength training background. It's just, it's like foreign territory. So you just like, I mean, another reason as to why you want the coach is because you want somebody to tell you like, yes, you fucking can. Um, because of some, sometimes it's not easy to believe in yourself. Like sometimes in order to learn how to believe in yourself, you need somebody else to believe in you first. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. That was good. Yeah, that was good, good job, Holly. That was really good. <laughs> I saw this clip today. Do you like David Goggins? I don't even know who that is. Who uh, is that? Let me play this clip. But he was talking about how he like talks to himself uh, when he doesn't want to do shit. Mm. But like you said, sometimes you don't have that internal side or that's telling you. So you need an external person to be like, hey, you can do this. But. This is for the people that have it inside them. This last week started taking a toll on me. I usually don't think too much. Get my shoes on, head the fuck out. I've been thinking a lot. 
that internal voice that they're talking to me, talking about, oh man, you're tired. Looking at my shoes about 30 minutes before I put the motherfuckers on. Pushing back the time of that, that I go out to go run. But I decided to tape record myself. That internal voice I put on tape. Sounds like a straight bitch when I listen to that motherfucker. So if you ever have a hard time out there, tape yourself. Listen to what kind of bitch you're being. Stay hard. But yeah, like I said, you don't always have that. Or you don't always have like the idea to like push yourself. So if you have a coach or somebody like you, I mean, that's probably one of the best things that can happen. I think so. And it's not to say that like you necessarily need somebody always. I think having somebody always is extremely beneficial, but you just, you, you need somebody to, to see your spark. And then once you have that spark, you know, you can start a fucking forest fire. But you need somebody to help you light it. Man, that's so cool that you said those ladies will leave like abusive relationships after doing your class. Like that's see, that's just a lot of stuff you don't think about. Like there's like I mentioned earlier, there's always somebody going through something. But a lot of people are good at masking it or, you know, you're not around them enough to see what they're dealing with. And for somebody to be like. I can leave this motherfucker that's treating me like shit. Like, I do feel strong enough now. Like, it's not just mentally, it's physically I feel strong now, too. They found their face. Yeah. They're stacking those wins. as like Will was saying. And then then eventually they just be able to do it. Yeah, like I said, that's awesome that, that those people have got to that point where they can get away from people that are not serving them. And I don't even know why I, w- I wish we could really look into people's minds and figure out why do people do that shit? Like, I wonder, not making excuses for them, but are they, were they abused at one time? So they want to abuse somebody else. Like, but it, like, why would you want some of you allegedly love to feel like shit? It's a good question. I don't know that I have an answer, but I think to, to an extent it comes down to uh, abused people, abuse people. Yeah. Uh, and in order to get out of that cycle, like you can't be afraid to get rid of the people who are not serving you. And if you are scared, you need to figure out how to build yourself up to a point where you, you can get rid of those people. And again, that brings me back to just thinking about, you know, the kettlebell as the catalyst. Um there's power in that cast iron. I mean, there's power in anything. Like, I mean, I just happened to find a kettlebell. Like, I, I, I'm sure, like, if I happened to find a bar, if I was managing a barbell studio, I'd probably be super passionate about the barbell because it probably would have done something very similar for me. Um, but, yeah, a workout, it can be about, you know, the aesthetics. It can be about losing weight, but it can be about so much more um, if you let it, and if you find somebody who has the power to light your spark and help you find your fears. So as an outsider looking in, what do you think about the state of men today then? You know, to be honest, I don't think I get to interact with enough men to have my words really hold a lot of weight. Can you be a little bit more specific with your question in that case? Well, do you think that a lot of men are 
hurting and they're taking it out on other people. Like you see a lot, like most mass shootings are done by men. Um, most people in abusive relationships, it's men doing it. Like, do you think that there's just like a reset that needs to happen where we can get back to where, uh, or move forward? Cause like a lot of it's archaic way of thinking. I think like, I think like it, the whole thing, like men can't cry. Like I saw this thing today. It was so ridiculous. It's like, let me see if I can pull it up, but it was like, what did your dad tell you that was weak? Mm. Um, and one guy was like, I wanted to have like a stuffed animal as a kid. And my dad's like, you can't do that. Mm. You know, where my, where my thoughts initially go are, I don't think it's just, I don't think it's just men. When I say this, I think, I think there's a false sense of what it means to be masculine as a man. And I think from prior generations, there's like, it's just like, it's not cool to embrace feminine qualities. So every person has masculine and feminine energy. It doesn't matter what your gender is. So like masculine energy would be like when you're being super like focused or super logical or uh, super strategic, you're like in total work mode. Um, And feminine energy would be like when you're creative, when you're like tapping into your feelings and kind of just like flowing through life. Um, And there can be, you know, healthy masculine energy and there can be unhealthy masculine energy and there can be healthy feminine energy and unhealthy feminine energy. I don't have a chart like right in front of me and I don't know enough to be like, these are like all of the examples of the healthy and like the unhealthy. But I have noticed from, I have noticed from what I have observed that I don't think a lot of men get permission to tap into their feminine side. And I think there are a lot of unhealthy masculine qualities out there just because there's like not enough men showing like what you know balance and good qualities look like i think there's definitely a lot of men out there who are fucking awesome um but i don't i don't know that we are necessarily at a point yet where all men feel like i can cry and i can Mm. feel and i can you know, tap into this creative side of myself. Um, Like I love a man who like is into music or plays an instrument or draws or writes or just like something creative to like tap into that side of themselves. Cause like, that's all it really takes to, um, you know, just start to like flirt with that feminine energy. Um, But yeah, I think, I think, I think men need more men who are down to be vulnerable and like show the way. And I think a lot of men tend to feel alone and not share necessarily from what I've observed. Um, I think more men need good men Mm. to, to like be in their circle. There's a guy, there's a girl and a guy. There's like this couple that I love I love so much. She's just like the full embodiment of like female energy. Um, and he is very much like the embodiment of masculine energy. 
Um, and they both have like energy courses and like he leads men and she leads women. And it's like a whole thing. Um, you should look up Johnny. What's his last name? Let me find it. All right. Johnny dot E L S A S S E R. He calls himself a, a men's life strategist. He's like, he's a veteran suit, like super rugged, like big dude. Um, but like he he knows a thing or two about energy and balance and like embracing these qualities that I think a lot of men have said, like men don't cry, men don't wear pink, men don't feel, we're strong, we're tough, and that's it. Um but like I man, I wish I could like talk more on this, but I feel like I I just, I I don't have enough weight, but I think he could be a cool guy for you guys to check out. I definitely look him up. But yeah, the the thing I saw was uh, men who grew up with toxic male macho fathers. What's something they told you was feminine growing up, but absolutely is not. The person says, I'll go first, sandals. Then somebody (laughs) said drinking from straws. Another person said using an umbrella. It's just like, come on, man. Well, I don't understand the umbrella one. I guess you're not supposed to <clears throat> just get rained on like a, a dandy what? boy. I said, I don't know, but no, you're supposed to get rained on. That's why you say don't, don't use, use an umbrella. umbrella. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. But why? That's I don't know. <laughs> I, like my dad told me growing up, we're not supposed to cry. Yeah. So that was always a thing. Like I remember I cried in first grade and it got back to my dad and he's like, we don't cry. And that always stuck with me. And I can count on my hands as a 43-year-old man how many times I've cried in my entire life, to, you know, since being that that point in my life. But, yeah, I you think. Cry now. No. But, like, I, this is why I always, I had somebody on here, we had a discussion. She's like, yeah, I cry every day. And I'm like, what do you cry about? And she's like, Just, <laughs> she's like, I'll watch something on Instagram. It'll make me tear up. And I'm like, okay. But, like, the. Only thing that's made me cry in my adult life was my old roommate died and then my friend Jerry died. But like I haven't had any real sadness in my life for me to feel like to cry about. Yeah. Like I'm sure when my parents die I'll I'll cry. But like or like my sisters or something like or somebody I'm close to. But I mean there's just nothing that I just had like every day where it just makes me feel sad about something. Hmm. Do you think some people overcry? I don't know what it, that would. I yeah. mean, if that's how they're feeling, I guess that's how they feel. I don't know. Do you cry a lot? No. She's like, no. would you like a man that was emotional? Like if he cried all the time? No. See, that's the thing, though. They always talk about women always like, I want a guy that's emotional. But then the guy's emotional and they're like, I don't you're find never that gonna attractive. Look, you're never going to look at him the same again. I no, like I've seen my husband cry. Was it like the, something traumatic? Or did like a cookie fall or something? Yeah, oh yeah, I see what you're saying. Like that see, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. Like if somebody cried over that, you might be like, What are you crying about? But I don't know. Like I can't speak for every woman, but the couple instances I've seen online where women talk about men crying, they're usually saying it makes them less attractive to them. No. I think it's really sexy for a man to be in touch with his feelings. Because I know if he's in touch with his feelings when I talk about mine, because I'm very in touch, I will feel like I'm connected more to that person. 
So I think it's case by case then. Like if he's just if he's not crying over cookie, but he's crying over something that is actually that matters. Yeah. Then you're like, like I'm okay. not going to cry over a cookie. You know, you like, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking. Yeah, but there are some people that they'll just cry at the drop of a hat. And it's but just I don't like, necessarily it's like, think that's like a male versus female thing. I think that's a person to person thing. Yeah. But I think it's more acceptable in society for, for women to cry like that. But I mean, but that's, I, think, I think that's something that needs to get broken. Because I, I think it's just normal for people to cry. If you think about like, just say, look at America. We're so new on the block. Like as far as like the rest of the world. So we have a lot of catching up to you. We're going to like we're in the growing pains right now, I think, like where you're seeing all this little fucked up shit that's going. So hopefully. People with shitty ideas die off and then people with blossoming ideas like the younger generations are there to carry the torch and be like, OK, we need to be more empathetic. We need to have this. But I think that there are some people that are too passive. Also, I don't think we should be super passive. No, I think you need to have a balance. Yeah. And I think that's what men and women, I think they, that's why they, they need that. Like nobody's better than anybody. Like you need, we need each other. And I think that's the point where I think a lot of people are trying to push too far on one way or the other. And it's like, stop. Cause without each other, we're, we cease to exist. We rise each other up. Yeah. We do. It goes through your thing. You always talk about Tony with the aliens coming, you know? We're always we're going to band together and fight the aliens. Hopefully. Hopefully. But I, I have noticed, unfortunately, most people in America, I will say this, uh, join together when there's a tragedy happened. Yeah. And that's sad. We shouldn't have to have something bad here happen before we're like, okay, let's join together. But then, you know, we'll be like that for a little bit, seeing Kumbaya, and then a couple months later, we'll get back to the normal bullshit again. That's why we need more of these random acts of kindness. True story. Paid for it. I'm going to do that. I need to go somewhere and I'm just going to pay for somebody something. I'm trying to think where I'm going to go to today. You know, Starbucks. See, I don't drink coffee. Maybe I'll get a tea. I can get a tea. Yeah. I'll do that today. After we get done, I'm going to get a Starbucks. Okay. See, you've already, you're, you made somebody's day already. <laughs> And I, 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 I gave you a little spark. You're the one who's doing it. It's not me. But I wouldn't have done it without talking to you. Mm. Ta-da. Teamwork. Collective. Yeah. Collective. <laughs> We're doing it together. So uh, what's next for you? In what sense? Like your business. Like what do you, what's your end goal? Such a good question. I feel like every time I go back to this, I'm looking at different things. But it definitely has something to do with kettlebells. Definitely has something to deal to do with a collective. Um, I believe I believe I have the capacity to do something very big within this space. And it's something that I'm working very hard to tap into energetically to feel where it is exactly I need to go. Um, which seems like such a woo woo answer for you guys. Um, but that's all I can say right now, but I will, I will say 
I will be here for a long time. And so, I will be doing great things. Who are some? Oh, I'm sorry to cut you off. Who are some big people in your space? What do you mean? Like as far as in the kettlebell world. Uh, I think anytime anybody says like Pavel, like that's, that's a name that everybody within the hard style community just knows. And people who have been around like as long as Pavel, like I think when you hear like Brett Jones, that name lingers with a lot of people. Um, I would say those are probably like the two biggest names I would associate within that space. Hmm. Okay, I don't think I ever heard about kettlebells until Joe Rogan. Hmm. Like, I think that's when I was first introduced to kettlebell, like the world. And then, like I say, he had that, he reached out to Pavel. Is that how you say his name? Pavel. Pavel, yeah. But he was a super nice guy. Like he was, uh, he's really big into stoicism. Um, But yeah, he was real. It was a really informative conversation talking to him. But yeah, it's awesome that. that you are going for world domination. I, w- I don't know that I'm going for world domination, but I am looking to help create a space that can help more women, especially um, like never would I have ever thought that what I've been able to do would help anyone on the scale it has thus far. I mean, if you read those stories in that book, I think it's pretty fucking powerful. Um, so I want to be able to do more of that. I want to empower women. Um, I want women to find their fears. I want women to feel dangerous. Mm -hmm. I want women to feel dangerous because I feel like a dangerous woman and I fucking love it. So what do you tell a woman who is afraid of tapping into something inside of herself where she might threaten people and then they'll be like, oh, she's being a bitch or she's too aggressive or you know, whatever nonsense somebody might say to somebody that is being their true self. They're not for you. Not an avocado, you know. Not everybody, like, everybody loves an avocado. I think most people love an avocado. Most people love pizza, right? Yeah. I think, uh, you know, even looking back to myself, I wanted to be liked. I wanted to be liked by others. My friend said, people aren't going to like you. So I, you know, put myself through the ringer. But you don't need everyone to like you. You need to like yourself. And if you can be yourself and love who you are, you're going to attract the right people into your life. And that's what I'm looking for. I'm looking to attract the women who, you know, they want to feel strong. They want to feel fierce. They want to feel dangerous and they need somebody to help show them the way. And that's not for every woman. Um, That's not even necessarily for all of the women that I work with. Like people come to me for different reasons, but I feel like I am supposed to be here for those women who want to feel a little dangerous. So have you like done anything where you do like a mentoring program or say for like, not even just women, like little girls, so they can become strong women. I would love to do something like that. Um, no, I haven't. I haven't. I, I had a dream at one point and I don't think this is like an immediate thing that I'm going to be doing, but like down the road, I would love to be able to, 
I would love to be able to set up a space, like a desolate space for women who are escaping human trafficking or abusive relationships to come and like live on like a ranch with me, but there's no horses. There's just kettlebells Mm. and heal. And I would love to like have people on my team to, to help heal and empower these women in a really like beautiful, calm place. I would love to be able to do that. I'm not at a place to be able to do that right now, but that's something that's like, that's on my heart. That's something I would love to be able to do. I wouldn't say that it's not attainable. Yeah, no, I think it's totally possible. I think there needs to be a couple more things that happen. I think I also need to meet some more people Mm -hmm. um, in order to make something like that happen. Something that's so cool is just like, I feel like every single person who has come to me, maybe not every single person, but a lot of the people who have found me, it's very serendipitous. And I think some of the women who meet me, they need to go through this training to see how powerful it can be. And then it almost makes them think like, okay, this is how we, this is how we help more women. And I think eventually maybe there are a few more women that I need to meet in order to make something like that a reality. Um, And I think that would be, that would make me feel like I really did something right on this earth. So how are these women finding you? Social media. It's all social media, Instagram. So are they just looking like a kettlebell? Like they've heard somebody talk about kettlebell and then they type that in the search and then you pop up or is it, they've been shared by you. Cause a lot of times, like I'll see a lot of stuff on my for you page or my Explorer page, whatever it's called. And then like, it's just random but it's also geared towards stuff that I've been searching. So a lot of my stuff on my for or explore page is all motivational shit. Like that's all I pretty much post and look for. But like, so I'll see a whole bunch of that stuff. So I'm assuming that's what they're looking for. And that's what the algorithm is pushing them. And then they may find you that way too. Maybe I don't fully know. I'm actually really bad at like asking that question. I like when people um, like fill out a, form to potentially work with me. Like it's a question there, but I feel like people always give me like a very vague answer, like Instagram, Instagram, IG, mm. Instagram. It's like, give me a little bit more. Um, well, I guess we can ask, how did you find her? Um, <clears throat> I think, uh, I was on Explorer page and, uh, I was just looking up stuff and I think it was maybe one of your work, one of your swing videos. Mm. I can't exactly remember like five months ago, six months ago. But I started clicking on it and I was like, well, you know what? Let me just send her a message. Maybe she'll come on the podcast. And I was like, hell yeah. Because I know mm-hmm. the Explore page will generally put people that you're not following in on there mm-hmm. versus who you follow. Now, I know sometimes I'll see, I will see in my feed, it will be people I don't follow. But I guess it's kind of like-minded stuff to what I like, though. But uh, that's awesome. Like that's the power of social media and the internet though. Like it, it's giving people a lot of opportunities to do shit that they possibly couldn't do before this stuff was created. Like we wouldn't have had this conversation without the internet. Exactly. 
I know. Which again, thank you so much for, thank you for finding me and for inviting me on. Like this has been a great conversation for me. So thank you. Absolutely. It's been, it's been good for me too. And like when, as soon as I found you, I, um, I sent a, uh, I sent Nikki uh, a thing. I go, Hey, do you, by any way, I know I don't know, this is probably a long shot, but do you, do you know her? And she was like, yeah, I know her. She's awesome. I was like, that's so cool. She's like, oh yeah. And I'm like, you know, it was just, we just talked for a little bit about you. So how do you know her? Uh, oh, like I have a girl crush on her. But I'm saying like, how did you find her? Instagram. So, okay, you would be perfect to answer the question. <laughs> so on the flip side, how did you find her? Like, were you looking up kettlebell stuff and then that's how you found her? Um, no. So there's like a couple of like kettlebell accounts that like share a bunch of different videos, like kettlebell workout videos, kettlebell kings. Um, so I think somebody had posted something of Nikki and okay. I was like, oh yeah, she's good. Cause like <laughs> it's easy to like size people up. It's like, well, how's their technique look? And like how much weight are they swinging around? And like, how big are they to kind of just be like, oh, so like how good are you kind yeah. of thing. Um, and I was like, Oh, she's good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I want to know her. So That's is there plans in the works for y'all to meet? I hope so. We don't have anything set, but I feel like after having this conversation with you guys, um, I would love to get out and see, see Tennessee. For is sure. the other place that is some of the other people in Nashville, I'm assuming, or what other part of Tennessee was it? Uh, yeah, I think it's Nashville. There's this really cool guy. He like, what's his name? I don't even, oh, uh, Gavin, Gavin. Uh, Sounds like a Nashville name. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, He's like, he's incredible with kettlebells. He does like all of the juggling. Um, I feel, I know Nikki and him know each other. Cause at one point I was like, oh, how do I meet Nikki and Gavin at the same time? (laughs) Um, but he's the only other person I know in, know of in Tennessee, but yeah, maybe we got to get out there. Just need some Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have anything else for her? Oh, I was looking up this guy. I'm going to apologize. Um, what's your definition of happiness and are you happy? I'm very happy. Um, my definition, I mean, actually, I look up happiness. I've looked it up recently, and I believe the Webster definition is something to do with uh, the feeling of being content, which honestly, I think is like kind of a mm, answer. Like, I want it to be a little bit more fun. But at the same time, to be able to feel content and to not feel like you want or need anything that you don't have, it's a pretty good feeling. So, right now, Yes, I'm very happy. I'm very grateful to have gotten to a point where I can feel happiness pretty regularly. See, I I think I'm on the opposite side of that. Like, I think that I'm happy, but I'm not content because I know there's stuff that I want. Mm. It's not certain. Maybe it's not necessarily stuff that I need, but I know I want more out of life through chasing things. Yeah. Well, like, I know I want to skydive. Yeah. But I wouldn't say because I haven't done it yet. Like, I'm not happy. Like, mm. I feel like, okay, let's go back to the mountain, Tony. Okay. So, like, I'm happy climbing my mountain. And there's different lookout points 
I need to continue to see in order to like stay and grow in an abundance of happiness. Mm. I'm on the happy trail. Because I know they always say, (laughs) they always say that people that have hit a peak, it's like, what's next? You know what I'm saying? Like, even like number wise for like, say like followers or downloads or whatever, you're like, oh, I got to hit this number. And you're like, what the fuck is next? Because then you get there, you're like, ah, that's not, that's not what I want. I want more. I want more. So I don't know. Maybe it is. You just need to be content with what you have because it can't all be taken away from us, but it is going to be taken away from us when we die. Sure. So maybe I need to reevaluate the way I've been thinking about certain things. You know, when you, I was listening to a podcast last night and this woman was talking about how, if you're the kind of person where like you do something and then you can't even like celebrate it, without just thinking about, well, what's next? It's like, there's a wound there around um, gratitude. And one of the things that like, I try and practice because there have been, I have been so fortunate in my twenties to have just done some really fucking incredible things. Um, But in the moment, I'm just like, okay, I did it. Like time to move on. Um, And I hate that because looking back, I'm just like, oh my gosh, like, this girl is so cool. This girl is you. Um, so something I really do try and practice routinely is just finding gratitudes because I know the more gratitudes I can find on a day-to-day basis and they can be like as simple as like having a hot cup of coffee. Yeah. Um, it just adds up and it makes me, um, it makes me appreciate more so when I, I do do things that should be celebrated. Um, yeah, I'm just going to leave that. Right there. <laughs> yeah. Cause I think a lot of us take shit for granted. Like, like even th- this moment, like if we're lucky enough to be like in our eighties or whatever, we're going to look back when we were young and be like, man, I had it so good. Like, why didn't I do more with that time? Why didn't I do more with that youth? But when you're in a moment, you're like, oh, I got to do this. I got to do this. I always have something to do. You're not really living in the moment of the time we're, we're in right now. We're always, that's why a lot of people are anxious and depressed, I guess. It's because they're always thinking about either the past or the future. They're not currently living in the state that they're in. And that's all we really have is right now. And that's our gift, right? To yeah. be in the present is a gift. Yeah. Present, present. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, it's just, it's so true. Like I said, sometimes we just need to, that's why I love doing this. Cause like you'll sit back and you have conversations with people and sometimes like something they'll say will make me reevaluate the way I've been thinking, you know, like, uh, like even with that girl, like I'm not going to start crying all the time, but it made me, you know, think about like, okay, I can count on my hands. And she's like, that's normal. Like most guys I know, like they can say that same thing on average which I don't think it's probably the best thing, you know, that we suppress so much shit or like, there's this thing I saw. It's like you ask any man, how is he doing? He's going to say he's fine, but he's not fine. And I think that like a lot of us are just, we just know that we have to get shit done. And so there's no really time to think about yourself. You need to make the time because you deserve time. Yeah. 
Well, you need to tell your counterparts, females out there, to uh, not to make fun of them, not judge guys when they get emotional. Yeah, no, that's fucked up. That's really fucked up. I don't think I, I can't even imagine any of the women in my circle being like, that's a turn off. Do a poll for us. Yeah, you want to do a poll? I'll yeah. do a poll. <laughs> Ladies, is it a turn off when a man expresses his feelings to you? Do you remember? Uh, did you guys ever see? It's it's a Brendan Fraser movie, Bedazzled. Mm-mm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! <laughs> it's a great movie, man. That one scene when he's uh, on the beach with crying her, and all he's doing is crying, and she's looking at him. It, what Elizabeth Hurley, right? Is the lady, and she's like looking at him. She's like, oh, what? I can't be with you. All you do is cry. See, See? there you it's go. Exactly right. I yeah, forgot about. I think that's an extreme. I'm going to pull. I, I will pull the ladies. You know what? I'm going to pull the ladies and I'm going to pull the men to see when's the last time a man cried. Oh, I guarantee you it's probably going to be a, a long if they're honest. Yeah, no one's going to answer. No honest. guy's going to answer your question. <laughs> like, I got zero votes on this one. What the hell? <laughs> I have a question for you. When's, do you remember the first time you made somebody else feel joy? I feel like my mom was probably really happy when she delivered me. I feel like that's probably the first <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking the about that the other day. I remember I distinctly, I grew up in Omaha and yeah. I was at this, my friend's house, their, their last name was the Sadlers. We were at the Sadlers house. We we're in their basement. And I said something, these kids started laughing and it was like one of the best feelings I had ever felt. Like that was, I distinctly remember that like, as a kid, that was when I felt joy, like hearing somebody else laugh. I'll get back to you. I love this question. I think it's a great question. Did you just come up with that question? Yes, but I just thought about the memory. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I don't I have to come back. I'll, have to tech, I'll text you an answer or something. So I like to ask four questions. My okay. first question is, what's your advice for people? And the second one will be, what's your mark you want to leave on the world? One of my favorite quotes is an African proverb. And it says to go, to go fast, go alone, but to go far, go together. Mm. So my advice to other people is don't be afraid to ask for help. Yeah, because like if you're, if you're not asking for help, you're slowing people down. Slow yourself down too. Yeah. I like that. The mark I want to leave. Hmm. When I first got started with kettlebells, um, I had a mantra. My mantra was I am strong, I am capable, I am fierce, and it's evolved. And now my mantra, and this is something I would love to be able to like leave with the world is I am strong, but I am stronger when I am vulnerable. I am capable. And just because I can do something doesn't mean I have to. I am fierce and I don't have to face it on my own. You're just dropping gems today. (laughs) Uh, And my last two questions are, what do you think happens when we die? And who would you like to give flowers to or appreciation? So good. 
I've actually had this conversation with a few people recently because I feel like I'm actually trying to figure out the whole death thing for myself. So like, I don't like the idea of we go to heaven because from my understanding, it's like you're supposed to experience like the best day of your life on repeat. And I feel like that would turn into Groundhog's Day. And I don't like that. There's a part of me that really likes thinking about the idea of reincarnation. But I feel like a lot of times with reincarnation, it's like you only come back if you're a shitty person. But I feel like some people have to come back who are just like incredible people. Like how many times do you think Mother Teresa's come back? Or how many times do you think like Albert Einstein has come back in different forms? Like maybe I could come back and I'm just like one of those fucking awesome people. Who knows? Maybe I'm like Albert Einstein and Mother Teresa's baby, like from uh, a fifth life that they had together. I don't know. I'm still exploring that, but I will tell you this. I do not believe that we just die. Mm. Don't believe that. But I'm very open to thinking about other things. What was the last question? Uh, Who would you like to give flowers or appreciation to? Just like right now. Yeah, is anybody in your life? Mm Because, like, unfortunately, we as people generally don't hear nice shit about us until, like, our wedding or a birthday or our death. But as far as I know, we probably can't hear that. So it's like, like, I think it's nice that we start like the pay it forward thing. Like you start letting people know in the moment, Hey, I I appreciate you. You did this for me. I would give a bouquet of flowers to my friend, Deanna, who I don't get to talk to a lot, but I really do care about. I'd love to send her flowers right now. That's nice. I'm sure she would appreciate it too. Yeah. Sure. Text. Hey, just thinking of you. Is that something you do? Do you send random texts to people when you're thinking about them? Like, I think that's something I need to work on. Yeah. No, I'm like, so in my masculine energy, uh, Monday through Friday that like, I, I actually, I really don't, I should reach out to friends more often. I don't. Yeah, because, like, if that person were to die today, you'd be like, fuck, man, I wish I would have said something to them. And I think, like like I said, we all do that. I mean, you can't, your whole day would be inundated, like, doing that all day long. But especially the people that mean the most to you, I think you should let them know. And hopefully they would do the same for somebody else or for you, and you might need that text or phone call. Are you a phone person or a texter? More texter. Me too. When somebody calls me, do you yeah. just look at your ring? No, I, I answer it. I answer it. But I was talking to somebody on the phone the other day and they were so fucking loud. And I'm like, dude, man, like I made a post today on Facebook. I said, do people that are loud not know they're loud? Like turn it down a scotch, man. Like I, we're, ri- we're right in front of each other. You don't have to be yelling. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, I think about a lot of dumb, random shit all the time. Uh, where can everybody find you at Instagram or on my website? My Instagram handle is I am Colleen Conlin and my website is ColleenConlin.com. I like it. I appreciate you giving us your Saturday. Um, it's been a good conversation and hopefully we can do it again. And then maybe in person, if you come to Memphis, yeah, it'd be fun. Pizza. Yeah. yeah y'all can have your pizza eating contest. We're You're going down. <laughs> pizza. Right side Pizza. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Enjoy your uh, well your Saturday, like I said. 
Thank you. Thank you for having me. I appreciate the conversation and your time. Thank you. Bye.